And did you hear how she just mentioned the prospect of hydrogen as part of a jet fuel? Well, that's also the ambition in Newcastle, where Behad Mogtatari is Laureate Professor of Chemical Engineering. Really, my interest is in the nexus between carbon emissions, energy and water. The aim is really to develop technologies that would allow us to lower down greenhouse gas emissions. So obviously we've been doing a lot of work in hydrogen. They all see the writing on the wall. They all see that we are in a transition phase. And one way or another, coal is being phased out. So we've got to think about the next new thing. And uh, for instance, just to give an example, Port of Newcastle, which is the biggest coal exporting coal in the world, now has its eyes on being the largest exporting port for hydrogen. Hydrogen? Yes, they have that ambition. And this is a very significant industry, local industry, and the same thing happening across the board, you know. When you've got people like Twiggy Forrest, Andrew Forrest, uh, who's got a plant coming up at Port Kembla in southern part of New South Wales and various other hydrogen plants, how are you dividing the effort across the country? I don't think it's happening in a coordinated fashion at the moment. Some industries like, you know, Fortescue Metals, as you said, they're doing their own thing. But there are other industries who actually leverage their efforts through various government funding schemes. And at least there is some coordinated activities in this manner. For instance, Port of Newcastle, as you know, have been given significant funding through the federal government for several key activities. But I don't think there is a central coordination. Quite often you see actually parallel uh, funding schemes coming up from New South Wales government, other states and federal government. And sometimes they're very similar. But your own research in carbon, what's it made of? One thing I wanted to mention is when it comes to decarbonisation and electrification, there are certain sectors of the economy which are very difficult to decarbonise. Example of it is aviation industry. At the moment, there is very difficult to have passenger aircrafts, large ones, that actually run on electricity or fuel cells. So we still need to rely on aviation fuel. But what we can do in the meantime, until we have those platforms, is to develop what we call green aviation fuel or sustainable aviation fuel. And that's where the link between hydrogen and these sustainable chemicals and fuels come to fruition. Because to produce this sustainable fuels and chemicals, you need two major ingredients. One is renewable hydrogen. The other one is carbon dioxide uh, or a carbon source. That carbon source could come from biomass and other bio resources, could come from direct capture of CO2 from air, what is called direct air capture, or alternatively could be a point source like fossil fuel plants which gives a way of recycling some of that CO2 emissions that they have. So there is a synergy between the two. And knowing that synergy, we got involved with another major initiative, which is called Trailblazer. That was actually a funding scheme announced by the government, but with colleagues from here and the University of New South Wales, we put a bid, which was successful. And eventually, at the end, we could formulate a $280 million funding. My own... Work in that large project is a $30 million project on developing sustainable aviation fuels at scale. And that's where I combine my skills in hydrogen production and also carbon capture 
Andy Carbonization in an effort to produce you know, aviation fuel. At scale, could you run Qantas on it? Not at that scale, but we're hoping that Qantas would be actually uh, participating in that because we already have major companies involved and Qantas is actually coming to talk to us. They'll be involved, but when we say at scale, this is still a small pilot compared to their requirements. Are you surprised now, having been here for some time, to see Newcastle turning into a place? We've just talked to your colleague upstairs with printed organic solar Now, you've got hydrogen. There are new industries coming to Newcastle, and you're looking all very green. No, I wasn't surprised because that's not the first time it happened. That's not the first time Newcastle resurrected itself. Uh, If you remember, when I joined, BHP was a major industry here. And when BHP shut the shop, so to speak, and decided to leave the town, Everybody was worried about what's happening here, you know, what's going to happen to Newcastle. Nothing happened. We basically diversified, we focused on other things, and we adapted ourselves. So this time around, it wasn't that much of a surprise to me. The surprise perhaps was how fast it did happen. Everybody all of a sudden redirected and allowing themselves with new initiatives, especially in renewables and hydrogen. And you got the money to make it happen as well. We've got the money, yeah. I mean, uh, several billions of dollars worth of funding has been allocated to the Hunter, not only for hydrogen, but also for development of new regeneration capacity from renewables. Because I did the back of envelope type calculations. If every promise that was made during the last election is to be materialized, we need our generation capacity to be increased by seven folds. Seven folds of what we got now. That is a massive expansion for renewable energy systems. So it's just mind-boggling. Can it be done? More in a couple of weeks on that energy revolution. Professor Beheg Mogdatari runs that huge research outfit at the University of Newcastle.